0: On this historic day, when India takes her place as a free and independent dominion in the
1: British Commonwealth of Nations, I send you all my greetings and heartfelt wishes.
2: On August 15, 1947, British Viceroy Lord Louis Mountbatten formally announced India's independence from British colonial rule. The Indian subcontinent was partitioned into two countries, India and Pakistan the borders were drawn hastily along religious lines. Muslim-majority provinces became part of Pakistan and Hindu and Sikh-majority areas remained in India. The borders cut through villages, rivers and homes, leading to one of the largest migrations in history. Unexpected and unprecedented violence followed, claiming more than a million lives. 15 million people left the land they called home for generations to never return. Hindus and Sikhs moved to India and Muslims crossed into Pakistan by train, road, boat and on foot. As we mark 75 years since partition, the survivors still reel under the tragic memories of bloodshed and brutality. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Nilanjana Gupta. In today's episode, we hear the stories of those who lived through the 1947 partition. If you want to get all the latest from beyond the headlines, hit subscribe in your podcast app. The scale of violence both before and after the partition was unimaginable. We spoke to Aisha Jalal the Mary Richardson Professor of History at Tufts University in Boston, Massachusetts. Here she is giving some context to the horrific brutality triggered by the partition. It led to
0: displacement, death
2: and degradation
0: of a variety of kinds. Um, Innocent men, women and children were made victims uh, of a horrific violence that was different from the kind of state-supported pogroms we see today. Uh, because uh, it was really not carried out by organized states uh, and organized uh, institutions so much as just individuals who I refer to as banded individuals to distinguish them from entire communities. And these banded individuals acquired weapons. Uh, they were frequently demobbed soldiers from Second World War uh, in Punjab because Punjab was the most affected. Uh, in the immediacy of uh, the partition of india in 1947 and there were a large number of demobilized soldiers who knew how to make homemade bombs and so they they were able to bring about a fundamental power shift in areas uh, that were uh, being subjected to a partition and so minorities who found themselves in the wrong side of the divide, for instance, Muslims on the eastern side in East Punjab and Hindus and Sikhs on the in the Western Punjab were attacked by these groups. Uh, and so properties were confiscated. People were killed. Women were abducted, raped. Uh, so this was a monstrosity of, of a, i mean you know which which really scarred the 1947 independence achievement so it can't really be minimized how that impacted people's
2: minds one of the survivors of the partition is 93 year old Narendra singh puji he slowly walks in the living room of his home in dubai and stares at a wall covered with black and white photographs of his parents, grandparents and relatives.
3: This photo was taken in a city called Lailpur, where my father was bank manager in Pakistan. We were living there, this is my father. We were living here there and the rest of them came for a wedding of my uncle and that's his wife. And uh, then my grandfather's total family, came to attend the wedding.
2: He then pulls out from his pocket an old document dating back to the 1940s. It has his photograph.
3: This was my college ID in Pakistan, in Lahore City. It was one of the best colleges in India at that time, called FC College or Foreman Christian College. It was an American missionary college.
2: Mr. Puji, who is Sikh by religion, was 18 years old back in 1947. He was studying in a college in Pakistan when riots broke out. He knew it was time to leave.
3: When discussions were taking place, whether where the partition line will be, that time we didn't know whether it was Lahore, which was the border town, will go to this side or whether Amritsar will go to that side, that kind of thing. So while discussions were going on, people took upon themselves to try and decide it and they were strong and uh, Hindu-Muslim riots started. And, and um, we saw as students, we saw some of these, these things happening near our college also. It's, it's quite a scary time. Uh, then our summer vacation was coming through, and, but the college was closed earlier because of this situation. And my personal experience was that we, we didn't have taxis at that time common. We used to have a thing called Tonga, which was a horse carriage. So I got one there, put my baggage there, and I was trying to move out and when we came out on the main road from the college uh, um, the guy the coach driver was a muslim and he was kind of scared of me and i was got scared of him also because there was absolutely hatred campaign on at that time between the two so so i started talking to him how are you what are you doing etc it was about 20 minutes half an hour journey to the railway station and so we became Quite open and friend, so he's not scared anymore. And that was the scariest period of my life, my personal life. And then I got onto a train and came down to Amritsar and on to my other places that I went to. But after we reached uh, Delhi, that's when actual partition had taken place. By the time I actually reached Delhi, because I was with other relatives in Amritsar and other, and that is when we started hearing stories about massacres of trains so the first train coming from Pakistan side was attacked close to the border and practically everybody was killed but there were few people who sort of laid down within the bodies or saved themselves but that sort of out of it maybe 200 300 passengers there were only four or five who have survived to tell us the stories so that that started and then the next train from India to Pakistan same thing happened on this side Particularly people from Punjab, they were, they were out for revenge because their relatives had been killed. So they took out swords. People who never held a knife in their life, everybody took swords and they went on killing. It was all in the news that we were seeing. Uh, there was no sort of TVs or anything like that at that time. No, Of course, there was no phone, telephone videos, nothing of that yeah, nature, fortunately. So, but you saw it in the newspapers, and you sometimes see the pictures also, and that was just, just pretty bad. So then uh, my father had then been posted to Madras, so uh, I went to Madras. And then we found in Madras, where we were, there were lots of refugees coming from Pakistan. And refugees coming in a big numbers all over the place, right from Delhi, of course, was a major because it was the first and Punjab was there, but lots and lots of people came to Madras.
2: Mr. Puji met several refugees who shared painful stories of how they lost their relatives. Violence against women was rampant. Some women killed themselves to avoid being assaulted by mobs.
3: In many villages and smaller places, people threw their daughters in uh, wells, or many, many girls jumped into wells because they it was, the major uh, thing people were scared of, uh, I mean, uh, it's not not that they'll be killed, but they were scared of raping of their daughters and all that. And that, that was happening in, particularly in villages and everything else. So we heard many stories of people who have come here and said, I had to throw my daughter into a well, or I had to kill my daughter and all that. Kind of thing. That was the, the most tragic uh, part of it that we heard.
2: A few years after the partition, when the situation had become relatively calm, Mr Puji had a chance to again visit Pakistan, a place he once called home, and relive his childhood memories.
3: First time I went with this group of people who celebrate Nanak's birthday. At that time, we used to get there, used to give visas for this and we used to go. Uh, we went there for the first time. And... There was no feeling of enmity or anything like that there. They were happy to see, see us all, particularly, you see, because Punjab, their language, the Muslim language, and our language is the same, we, we all speak Punjabi. And that was kind of a feeling we got from those people that we were, we were our own people kind of thing. This was a few years, of course, after the partition. Uh, I didn't feel any enmity or anything like that. One particular aspect I never forget. I was going around in a taxi to go see my college and things like that. When I came back, the taxi man refused to take fare. I said, "Why? No," he said, "You are our guests. <laughs> How can I take money from you?" So that was at that time. That was the attitude in general, and then we found the same everywhere. So as far as the relationship was concerned, of people, even today, there is no enmity. There is no ill feeling. You meet Pakistani drivers here every day, taxi drivers there every day. They're so friendly, everybody's friendly. So this is all, the friction and bad feelings are created by the leaders for their own gains. That's, that's my feeling.
2: Mr. Pooji moved to Dubai in the 1980s and still carries the trauma of the partition, like many others. Reena Verma, a 90-year-old Indian woman, recently visited her birthplace in Pakistan for the first time in 75 years. Residents held her hand and walked with her to her ancestral home in the narrow lanes of Rawalpindi city. She looked around in awe and went down memory lane. Residents showered her with rose petals as she arrived at her two-story home.
1: I got such a warm welcome, such a warm welcome. I have no words to explain. I never, of course, I was expecting good uh, reception, but not (laughs) that type of reception I got there. And I was very happy because I had also gone with open heart. No no, uh, ill-feeling for anyone at all. So that's why... My trip, so I, I, it is most memorable because it was very peaceful, very nice, and positive uh, ideas, all positive ideas. That when I went there, I was totally there and I was living my childhood only. I was not thinking of anything else because I, everywhere I was seeing my family. My family members moving around in this room, this room. This was my parents' room, this uh, sister's room, my brother's room, sitting room. So uh, I was full of my family. I missed them very, very much. I, I was very happy when I entered the house and went there. But then that pain was there that no family member is now with me.
2: Miss Verma was just 15 years old when she left her house. She was happy to see it had not changed much.
1: We left Rawalpindi before partition. We, in May 1947, we came to Solan near Simla. And why we came to Simla was because in February, March, The riots started in Rawalpindi. So people were quite scared. When partition was going to happen, we never felt that we are not going to come back. We thought we are going to come back. But suddenly the riots turned into a massacre and all that. So we had to stay there only. And during uh, my stay in Rawal Kendi, life was completely different because it was peaceful and there was love between all communities. And then you see, my elder brother and two sisters, they had Muslim friends also. And they have been coming to our house because my father was a very advanced ideals he was very modern in his outlook so we also had no restriction like we can't go out and all that there was no difference between uh, daughters and sons my parents suffered the most because for two years my mother was not believing that uh, we can't go back to our house it was not totally unacceptable to them. You see, ultimately, they had to accept and they had to move around with my brother who was in army. So we got a house. So we have been staying with him. My parents uh, uh, saw a lot of uh, trouble. because uh, My father was already retired. We were three sisters and... Uh, one brother, who were to be still educated and married, and they had no money.
2: Pakistan and India have fought three wars since 1947 and relations remain tense, making it almost impossible for the people of both nations to meet and interact. After decades attempting to get a visa, Miss Verma crossed into Pakistan in July by road. It was only after a journalist in Karachi made a video about her. The video was seen by Pakistan's Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Rabbani Rabbanikar, who then facilitated the visa issuance.
1: For me, it became little easy, only I should say. Though I was rejected first time, so I felt very bad about it. Because it, at my age, I am going to see my house, there is no reason for anyone to reject it. But still, they had done it. But I am very, uh, I mean, people have to make some effort. If they keep on making effort, things might improve. And for making things easy, you see, these young people only have to do. People in Pakistan, people in India, they are all very friendly, especially uh, people in Punjab and Delhi. They are familiar with this, no? So those people are very friendly. They want to uh, meet each other. They want to uh, easy access to go to Pakistan. Same Pakistan people want to come here. So for that youngsters yeah. only can make effort. Our governments, if they try to, they can do. I am so very grateful to Pakistan government because they they granted me visa.
2: As she said goodbye to the people who welcomed her with open hearts, she cheerfully broke into a popular Bollywood song about homecoming. While some were able to visit their ancestral homes, others found a way to meet their relatives outside the subcontinent. Dr. Rafia Sultan Pasha is 84 years old and lives in Abu Dhabi with her daughter. She spent her childhood in central India's Jabalpur city, where she lived in a tight-knit community that looked out for one another. When she was 9 years old in 1947, her family left her property and relatives and travelled to Karachi.
4: You know, I'm at an age where I have got severe arthritis even now go to Pakistan, it's a real task for me. So I cannot even dream to go to India. But you know, some of my relatives uh, they came here uh, to Abu Dhabi to see me. Uh, you know, uh, they came about before 40 years. One of my mother's cousins came with her daughters and my uh, you know my, my my father's sister's daughter, she came to see me. Yeah, <laughs> but we, we could not go uh, there. You know? That's the thing. But we were really, very mad. Uh, it was so touchy, and she were, we were all crying, you know, when we met each other.
2: Dr. Pasha is an obstetrician and has lived in the UAE since 1968. She says the horrors of the partition have made her stronger and more courageous in dealing with adversities
4: when we left india and we had a a sort of emergency call somebody called in the middle of the night not called came and knocked the door and told my father that you leave just now because maybe your house will be attacked you know so i had no idea why we are leaving we were all sleeping so my mother and father as well as my some of my cousins were also there in the house and we had to leave in a hurry. And we went up to the, my father took a tonga, you know, that uh, uh, cart, you know, which is uh, driven by a horse. And we went up to the station because maybe my father had a plan to come by train to Pakistan. But uh, there, there was uh, the train which came, it had some parts of the body and blood and all that. So my father decided, no, we were not going to go by uh, train to Pakistan, but we will go to Bombay. So we came um, to Bombay and from Bombay, we came by ship to Pakistan. It was such a shocking thing. Number one, I had never seen blood. I had never seen any parts of the body. I had no idea what what is going on. But it was really very shocking and it is very sharp in my memory till now. But it has given me a lot of courage, enlightenment and you know, actualizing my own potentials. that life is not a bed of roses. From the beginning, I'll tell you till today that that life is not a bed of roses, it's Full. It's a path which is full of thorns as well as spiky stones. If you are a person who luck, who looks at it superficially, then will get scared and hopeless. But if you have the courage and reliance on the yourself as well as whosoever you believe in, then you move on. And at the end of it, you see that how much self confidence you have developed. And how much it was necessary to go through these instances, to go through these challenges, to become a better person, a better human being. My father was also a very positive person. At one time, my mother said, why don't you ask, you know, apply for the uh, property you have left in India? Because everybody was doing that. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I came here alone. If it was mine, (laughs) it would have come with me. And I lost my mother at very early age uh, when I was in uh, about 16, 15 or 16 years old. And I had five siblings, you know, younger than me. And I took care of all of them. When we landed at Karachi Port, you know, every single person who was there at the port, and I don't know how many, maybe 1,000, I don't know, I cannot remember but there were so many people, and every single person had a garland when, in their hands. And regardless of age and uh, uh, this thing, even in my, this thing, you know, somebody put the garland. And I was so thrilled that what a place, what a country uh, with all the fragrance of the flowers and all those things. I was very happy. I had no idea what we are going to face next. It was very challenging for my father. For us, you know, what 9 years old person or the younger children will need, you know, the food protection that was given by our parents. But, you know, uh, they must have gone through hell in some some strange place and uh, you have to find, find a place, you know, an office, a house, you know, to live and all those things, you know. They went through a lot.
2: As Dr. Pasha's family went on to start from scratch in Karachi, the partition's impact was felt for years to come. Her mother missed her brothers terribly as they decided to remain in India.
4: We never went back to India because in the beginning my my mother uh, used to be so upset she wanted to go but it was very, very difficult to be uh, to get the visa and all those things so she couldn't go. And then she died. She passed away. She was very young. She passed while she was pregnant, you know, full-time pregnant. And she just slipped from the staircase and he came down. And that's how she passed away. She used to cry, you know, and she used to pray that hope there will be a day that I will be able to see my brothers. She didn't have any sister. She was the only daughter. She was separated from from her aunties from her uncles from her from her brothers and everything and we had no time to meet anybody even now sometimes i am in touch with them my two uncles you know they passed away but their children their family and all the old people are there in Bhopal. and some of them are in uh, uh, Kin.
2: A Pakistani YouTube channel offers a ray of hope to families such as Dr. Pasha's who lost so much during the partition. Nasir Dhildo and Bhupinder Singh Lovely launched Punjabi Leher YouTube channel in 2016. The platform is helping to reunite Indian and Pakistani relatives that were separated in the mayhem brought about by the decision to split the country. The YouTube channel has reunited about 300 families and currently has more than 600,000 subscribers. We spoke with its co-founder, Nasir Dhillo, who lives in Faisalabad in Pakistan. The moment we upload a video, within a
5: week, we are able to reunite the families. There have been only two cases so far where we couldn't find lost relatives. But 99% of the time, we have been able to locate missing relatives. If they are not alive anymore, we find their children or grandchildren. We usually find a clue within days of uploading a video. Someone reaches out to us and informs us where the person lives. Then we set up a video call between the two families. Our third step is to try to make them meet in Kartarpur, the Sikh pilgrimage in Pakistan. Initially, all our reunions were done virtually through video calls. But after the Kartarpur corridor opened, it has been easier to make them meet in person as a visa is not required to travel.
2: The Kartarpur Corridor is a visa-free border crossing and religious corridor which opened in 2019. It allows Indian pilgrims to visit the Sikh temple in Pakistan's Kartarpur, 4.7 kilometers from the India-Pakistan border. The opening of the corridor has made Nasir and Bhupinder's task easier. Punjabi Leher's biggest success story has been that of reuniting two elderly brothers in Kartarpur after a 74-year separation. The video of the brothers embracing each other and sobbing went viral, receiving millions of views. Nasir says the inspiration to start the initiative was his father, who always wanted to visit his ancestral home in India's Punjab state. But he passed away before his dream was fulfilled.
5: My father would often tell me, take me to the other side someday. But given the difficulty in obtaining a visa, he couldn't go there. He passed away and I always regret that I couldn't fulfill his wish. So by fulfilling the wishes of other elderly people, I satisfy so the wishes of, of my father, karthi, my grandfather, apne f- and myself. I applied for the Indian visa, but it was rejected. Uh, I'm going to apply again, kaya, and if it's approved, I would be. like to visit the ancestral a- village and make my father's uh, dream come true.
2: Growing up, Nasir would hear stories from his late grandfather about communal harmony and peace before partition. His grandfather would tell him that the perpetrators of the violence were just a few individuals. However, the whole community paid the price. The impact of partition has been felt by generations. Cities and cultures were remade as hordes of refugees arrived. Millions of lives transformed and businesses and properties changed hands. Professor Aisha Jalal from Tufts University, who we spoke with earlier, says many of today's problems in the South Asian subcontinent are rooted in partition. Sadly,
0: instead of coming to terms with the violence, why it happened, uh, it's been couched in communitarian terms, i.e. entire communities uh, have been, uh, I mean, those who carried out the violence are treated as heroes, quote-unquote. Um, and which has made it very difficult to nail uh, the perpetrators and condemn them. I don't think that, uh, that that Indians and Pakistanis have come together to condemn the violence. Uh, I mean, when you start talking about heroes, you are basically, uh, you know, ensuring that this sort of violence will happen again and again. And indeed, it happened at the time of, Uh, Indira Gandhi's tragic assassination and what followed in terms of retaliation attacks on the Sikhs in Delhi. Uh, So I think that uh, the recurrence of partition-type violence uh, has become naturalized in South Asia uh, throughout these decades, largely because uh, the people um, and the states have not mustered up the courage uh, to really condemn the violence per se,
2: Professor Jalal's family was one of the many that took a boat from India to Pakistan during partition to avoid the mobs.
0: I was fortunate with my immediate family insofar as my mother and her sisters were able to leave. It all depended on your your class status. I mean, if you had the money um, and you could avoid um, making the trek on foot or by train, Uh, you uh, generally were able to save yourself. There were some who were very wealthy who went in planes. Um, My my own family, my mother's uh, family, uh, took a boat from Bombay to Karachi and from Karachi to Lahore. Uh, So I think those who uh, made the trek uh, fearfully across the newly demarcated frontiers from Punjab, East Punjab or West Punjab were the ones who were primarily targeted. And again, I'd like to emphasize that those perpetrating the violence were never entire communities. My own research shows that while the victims may have been entire communities, the perpetrators rarely were. My mother's experience really was not so horrific as my aunt, who actually adopted me for six months when my mother was traveling in in the U.S. Um, and her story is really quite uh, galling because they left Naba, uh, which was a princely state in Punjab, and they 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 had to take refuge in the Purana Killa, the old. Fort in Delhi, which was one of the hubs of these refugee camps. I mean, one of the refugee camps. And she recounts uh, some horrific stories. Uh, I mean, the sanitation issues and and the fear that gripped them. So her story is much more uh, horrific. And then, of course, I've heard innumerable stories from friends. Uh, One that stayed with me was the story told by a former military man who who was very young when he moved here um, to Lahore from um, I think it was Western UP. And he recounted how for years after uh, the family lived in fair, even after they had made their way into Lahore.
2: Professor Jalal believes a deeper understanding of what caused the partition can help in initiating a healing process.
0: The two countries still haven't worked out after 75 years, the, the basic Uh, parameters of coexistence, I mean, they have to somehow, even if they have disagreements, I mean, you have to coexist. So I think that the lessons really haven't been learned largely because there's a refusal to understand what caused partition. It's typically assumed that it was brought about because of Hindu-Muslim differences, which I think is a fallacy. It was brought about by power sharing Uh, uh, concerns. Uh, All it required was a slightly more flexible idea of sovereignty and to accommodate those differences. I think all violence, I mean, people have to stand up and condemn this kind of violence. I mean, when Muslims are lynched on suspicion of carrying beef, I mean, it's a natural reaction that people in Pakistan will react. But I think people in India need to stand up, just as people, when Hindu communities or Christian communities are ill-treated in Pakistan or targeted, uh, people have to speak up here. So I think that it's only then that you can bring about a change. Instead, we seem to be reaffirming these divisions in our society.
2: 75 years later, the legacy of partition lives on. There are still divisions to this day. The politics have solidified and the border remains, not just on the world map, but in the hearts and minds of people. And that's what the countries have to overcome in order to take the next step in India-Pakistan relations and for the future of South Asia. You have been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I have been your host, Nilanjana Gupta thanks to our guests. This week's episode was produced by Arthur Edison with additional help from Tanya Datta and Ramola Talwar. If you like this episode of Beyond the Headlines, please subscribe and leave us a review.